Well, here we are, week two already of 2018, and uh, week two, and our starting over series of messages as we begin uh, this new year together. Uh, last week, we looked at the biblical challenge from Colossians 3 about starting over with a new focus in life, where Christ is the very center of our life. Today, we're going to hear what the Bible says to us uh, about a very challenging and, and dear passage about uh, starting over as a new person. And we know the reality is that when we start a new year, there's resolutions that are made. We make some effort, a lot of people do, to, to make some changes so that we might be, uh, have, have a different lifestyle, a different attitude about life, maybe even be a new person. Somebody said, and we, we've recognized this in our family with Bo being born just a few weeks ago, said a new year is like having a new baby. Many changes will be necessary. The reality is we live in an age of change. Change is all around us. That's the new constant. People come in and out of our life all the time. In fact, according to the most recent census, five years leading up to that census, about half the United States population moved. Isn't that an incredible figure? About half of the United States population made a move. Thank goodness for the fact that God promises us that He is always with us and He will never leave us nor forsake us. He even provides the Holy Spirit as a comforter, will not leave us as orphans. Reality is we do live in an age of change. According to uh, economist Thomas Sowell, the average American has nine jobs between the age of 18 and 34. I find that to be absolutely incredible. Nine jobs between the ages of 18 and 34. Now, what happens is, in all the midst of this change is, that we as a culture are guilty of making surface changes that we really think will transform our life. Now, we need change. The constant flux of life today demands that we make adjustments in our life. Change is the new norm. But the spiritual change that we need to make in our life has to be more than just simply a cosmetic change, talk about turning over a new leaf and even maybe even starting over. What we really need is a transformation, a spiritual transformation. And we're talking about a spiritual transformation. What we're really talking about is we're talking about a gospel change in our life. Mark Twain has been reported as saying that the church is good people standing in front of good people, teaching them how to be good people. Well, the change that we need in our life is more than that. It's got to be change and transformation. It's got to be a gospel transformation and change. It's just not making a list of resolutions about what you want to see changed in your life. It's about committing your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so that spiritual transformation takes place in your life and you can start over as a new person. You see, the change that we need in our life is not just simply in our circumstances, but a change in ourselves. It's not our ability to try harder but it's a life that's entrusted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel change. I think one of the most dramatic changes that I've read about in, in, in modern time here, about that gospel change took place in the life of Lee Strobel. You might remember Lee Strobel. He was the atheistic journalist with the Chicago Tribune. But when his wife became a devout believer and follower of Jesus Christ, he set out on a skeptical investigation of the Christian faith, but it ended up being that he affirmed the reality of Jesus Christ and the change that Jesus Christ could bring about in his life. It was a radical transformation in his life. 
And he really writes about that very well in his book entitled The Case for Easter. And what he said is, over time, my character, values, attitude, priorities, worldview, philosophy, and relationships began to change for the good. Now, when you listen to those words that he puts together, it says, my character, my values, my attitude, my priorities, my worldview, my philosophy, and relationships began to change. He had a total transformation of his life. It was absolutely a gospel transformation. And to show you how real that was, a few months after he became a believer, his five-year-old daughter, Allison, whom he said previously had known only a father who had been profane, angry, verbally harsh, drunken, and all too absent, went to my wife and said, Mommy, I want God to do for me what he's done for Daddy. You see, Lee Strobel experienced life as a new person because he experienced a transformation that was brought about by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what the gospel change brings. It creates a new you. And God loves to specialize in new beginnings. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 5, we typically think about it as the end of the age and the consummation of all things. And God says at that point, behold, I am making all things new. You see, the reality is God loves to create and make things new. God loves to make old things new, especially people. So the commitment to be a new person is a commitment to give ourselves to God so that he can make us new. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, then the challenge for you is if if you're not living to the fullness of your life in Christ, if you're not really enjoying your relationship with Christ, if you feel like the gospel has not made a change in your life, then the challenge for you in being a new person is commit your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ in such a way that you will experience that transforming change in your life, and life will be totally different for you. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ today, If you've not made that decision to commit your life to him, where he's both Savior and Lord of your life, then I want to challenge you to listen to the words of Scripture here today as we talk about being a new person. And and make a commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life so that you will experience an absolute transformation. You will become a new person through the gospel change that takes place in your life. I want you to look with me at our passage of Scripture today, which talks about all of this, about being a new person and how that takes place in our life. As we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21, the Apostle Paul writes and says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. 
and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, when you put all that block of of verses together from the pen of the Apostle Paul, there's some radical things that he says about becoming a new person. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Then he says, God was reconciling, in verse 19, the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. And then in verse 21 really is the crux of of how all of that takes place. He says, God made him who had no sin. That's Christ. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. To be sin for us. On the cross, Jesus became not only our sin sacrifice and substitute, but he literally became sin on that cross. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. If we become the righteousness of God, then that means we are a new person. All of the unrighteousness of our life is done away with, and that's been exchanged for the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. In fact, you can call verse 21 an example of what we call the great exchange. That we have the opportunity in becoming a new person to exchange all of our unrighteousness, all of our sin, all of our filthiness, all of our unholiness for the righteousness of God that clothes us in Jesus Christ when we confess him as our Savior. And when we break down this passage of Scripture and look at it a little bit more in detail, We find that that there are three aspects of this new life that that God gives to us. And and they're quite simple, just pulled right simply out of this passage of Scripture. First of all, God gives us a new identity. You see, he, He gives us a new identity. All the changes that we can try to make in our life do not bring about a new identity in our life. We would like to have that new identity where maybe we wouldn't even be recognized. I read recently, and I like this story about uh, a lady was, was going into a beauty shop, and another lady was coming out. And as they met, the lady who was coming out looked at the woman who was coming in. She said, oh, she says, Mary Jones, Mary, what a joy to see you. I haven't seen you in years. She said, you're looking different. Why, you've slimmed down. You've lost some weight. You, you fixed your hair. You're wearing it differently. So why, even your face looks different. And, you know, you even look a little bit taller than you used to look. And the other woman looked at her and she said, I'm not Mary Jones. And the first lady said, oh, you've changed your name too. <laughs> See, sometimes that, 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 that spiritual transformation in our life needs to make such a change in us that we're no longer the same person. We're not even recognizable. Why does God need to give us a new identity? 750 years or so before Jesus Christ came, the prophet Isaiah wrote and said, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That explains our lost condition and why we need a new birth, why we need a gospel transformation in our life. 
Now, I want us to look at three great doctrines that are found in this scripture here that affirm our newness when we accept Jesus Christ. And it's how we accept that newness in Jesus Christ. The first is the grace of God. That's found in verse uh, 21 as well. If you look at that verse, first word in that verse is God. The last word in that verse is God. This is that verse of the great exchange where we exchange our unrighteousness for the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, it begins with God, it ends with God because salvation is all about the grace of God. He offers it to us freely. Grace is God giving to us not what we deserve but what we need. In all the religions of the world that claim that there is a God, ours is the only faith-based religion that embraces a God of grace. And this passage of Scripture reminds us that God exchanges our guilt for His grace, the grace of God. The second part of this doctrine is what we call the atonement of Jesus. You see, verse 21 begins with God initiating reconciliation. That's the grace of God. But then you discover how God did it. He did it by making him who had no sin to be sin for us. You see, there was a, there was a demand of a holy God that had to be met because of sinful humanity and mankind. Prophet Isaiah went on to say, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see, the atonement of Jesus is that he experienced being pierced, crushed, and the punishment for our sins that we deserved. Peter would say he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Jesus was a substitute for us when he died on the cross. I think we understand what it means to have a substitute. Sometimes in school you have a substitute teacher who's there for your teacher who might be on vacation or sick or whatever. Sometimes we're, uh, we're able to substitute uh, the name brand drug for a generic. We make that substitution. Sometimes when you're cooking you can substitute some ingredients for other ingredients. A lot of different diets are based off of that. We also saw it played out last Monday night in the national championship football game, if you watch that. Alabama was trailing Georgia by 13 to nothing at the halftime. And, and Coach Saban made, from Alabama made a, a startling decision. He started a true freak instrument in a quarterback in the second half. He put in Tua Tung Oviela. Oviela, I believe is his name. Tung Oviela. He put him in in place of the starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. And that substitute quarterback led Alabama to the national championship. Well, Jesus was our substitute on the cross. When we talk about the atonement of Jesus, then atonement means to pay a debt. Jesus paid our sin debt. And a good way to remember what the atonement is to pronounce it this way, at one month. We are at one with God because of the substitute of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sin. Our sin debt is paid. And God exchanges our failures for his forgiveness. And then the third aspect of that salvation theology is that there's justification by faith. 
that the Bible says that compared to God's perfect righteousness, everything good in our life is nothing but filthy rags. You go back to the prophet Isaiah who said, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. But then he goes on to say in Isaiah 61.10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. See, God has arrayed us in a robe of righteousness when we exchange our unrighteousness for his righteousness. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we are made new when we're in Christ. And that's a powerful phrase. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That term or its equivalent appears 172 times in the New Testament. You want a new start? You want to be a new person? You want to see a great transformation in your life? Then you have to be in Christ. And the only way that you're in Christ is what Jesus said to Nicodemus when Nicodemus came to him at night and and inquired of him about the spiritual doctrine that Jesus was preaching. And Jesus said, unless you be born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. To be born again is to believe in Jesus as your Savior to turn from your sins in repentance, to accept His grace gift of salvation, to accept that great exchange, your unrighteousness for the righteousness of Christ. And in that process, you find that you have a new identity. You're a new person with a new identity. Then Paul says a second thing in his writing, and that is not only does God give us a new identity, but He gives us a new purpose. Verse 15, he says, and he, that's Christ, died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. He's given us a new purpose for living. And what does he say? He said, we should no longer live for ourselves, but live for him who died for us. If I were to ask you, What is the purpose of your life as a follower of Jesus Christ? What would you say? Yeah, I think so many people, believers and non-believers as well, believers and non-believers both, just go through a routine of life and really have no clue what their purpose in life really is. I think I first saw it on a t-shirt at Cracker Barrel. And, and, and a lot of people, you know, put life slogans on bumper stickers and T-shirts and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I was getting gas at a gas station the other day. This lady got out of the car next to me, and she looked pretty rough. I mean, she looked disheveled. I don't know what had gone on in her life. But she had a cap on. And, and written on that cap said, I woke up this way. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, yeah, yeah, you know, I probably looked that way when I woke up this morning as well. But I did a little something about it. We go back to the T-shirt at Cracker Barrel. T-shirt at Cracker Barrel had written on it, what if the hokey pokey really is what it's all about? You seen that, heard that? I think there's some people in life who have absolutely no sense of the purpose of life any more than the hokey pokey being what it's all about. 
The good news is God tells us very clearly what our purpose is. We're to live for his glory. Paul would also write in 1 Corinthians and say, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Our purpose is to live for God. And what does that mean? First, we live with God at the very center of our life. Last week when we looked at that passage of Scripture out of chapter 3 in Colossians, there was that powerful phrase that said, Christ, who is your life? Christ is our life. And if he's our life, then that means we live with Christ at the very center of our life. And then Paul goes on to say how we live out our life for his glory is that we are ambassadors for him. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us, that's believers in him, The message of reconciliation, therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Hopefully we know what ambassadors are. They represent other people. We have ambassadors around the world representing the United States. Our former governor, Nikki Haley, is the ambassador to the United Nations representing the United States. As ambassadors for God, our purpose is to live for the glory of God and to proclaim the message of reconciliation. That means that once we discover our new identity in Christ as a new person, we have that message of reconciliation to proclaim because we have experienced that in our relationship with God. We are to tell others about the reconciling love of Jesus Christ so that they too can experience gospel change and be transformed into new people and experience God's love, forgiveness, and righteousness. When you become a new person in Christ, you have a new identity. And you also have a new purpose in life. And then here's the third thing Paul says that's radical. And he says, God gives us a new nature. Verse 17, when he says, the old is gone, he says, the new has come. The old that's gone is our old nature. The new that's come is our new nature. What is that new nature? Well, the apostle Peter writes and says, For thee, by these he has given us very great and precious promises, So that through them you may share, listen to that phrase, share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. That's 2 Peter 1, 4. We share in the divine nature of God. We share the divine nature of God when we're a new person in Jesus Christ. Now, that new nature doesn't always manifest itself at once because real spiritual change is a process. See, when we come to Christ, that initial regeneration and rebirth, that's immediate. But growing into the image and stature of the measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ, that's a lifelong process. 
the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of the of Philippians, and he said, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, that transformation begins at, at our spiritual birth when we become a new person. But it's an ongoing process. Real change happens at the moment of salvation. That's punctilier in time. But it is a process in which we reflect the nature and the glory of God. In fact, Paul would write to the Corinthian church in chapter 3, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians, and say, we all with unveiled faces are reflecting the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, we reflect the glory of God. And like Moses of old, the only way to reflect God's glory is to catch a glimpse of it. It's like the phenomenon of the moon every night. My understanding is the moon doesn't have any light of its own, but it reflects at night the light of the sun. Isn't that right? Well, when we place our faith and make a commitment to Jesus Christ, to his lordship in our life, then we get to share in that divine nature of God. And then we are charged, we are challenged to reflect the glory of the nature of God in our life. For sure, transformation, spiritual change, rebirth happens in a moment and it secures us eternally. But the process of growing in the image of Jesus Christ and that divine nature of God that we share in that more and more and more is revealed in our life is an ongoing development in our life day by day. And that happens as we yield our life day by day to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So the challenge for us today in this Starting Over series is to start over as a new person. If you've never accepted him and embraced him as Savior, then today is a great day to repent of your sins and commit your life to Jesus Christ as both Savior and Lord. And then as a believer and a follower in Jesus Christ, enjoy that new life, your relationship with him as you live with a new identity, a new purpose, and a new nature. Start over as a new person. Father, we thank you that in your love, you pursue us with your saving grace. And you do so because you want a relationship with us where we can live in faith with you as a new person. I pray today, Father, that anyone here who does not know Christ as Savior will come and make that decision, experience that rebirth, and be a new person. And for those of us who are believers in you, that we will find the opportunity here today to recommit our life to you in such a way that we enjoy our relationship with you, we, we, we renew that relationship with you, we recommit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ, and we open our life to what you want to do in our life, that more and more and more you're transforming us into the glory of Jesus Christ, that we might reflect your glory 
and that we might be more capable of being your ambassadors, living for your glory. Father, we offer our lives to you for change today, the change of the gospel through Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen.